the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. You feeling the burn, Carrie? No, I, I don't feel the burn. <laughs> and nor do I understand people who feel the burn. Victory speech. Because we have the agenda that speaks to the needs of working people throughout this country. Well, no, he doesn't. He speaks to the needs of taking Karen, people get from ready. working Listen people. Listen to what he's going to do. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think they do. There's not enough income to tax. Right. Public colleges and universities to which it freely yeah. cancel all student debt. All oh, student okay. like debt. See, the, the two have to go hand in hand because you can't cancel all student loan debt and then right. have colleges charging because the debt will be racked up again. We know that climate change is very real and an existential crisis for our planet. We are prepared to tell the fossil fuel industry that their short-term profits are not more important than the future of our planet. I, I could listen to Angry Bernie all day. Oh, see, I couldn't. I, like, I saw a meme after uh, the New Hampshire this week. Somebody, um, a client and I shared around it was a, it said, like, Bernie, you know, how the minimum wage and, and elevating people, you know, you raise people from $7 an hour to 15 but then Bernie Sanders wants to tax you 50%. So you're right net back to anybody who's working is going to have to be taxed in order to pay for all this stuff. So well, that's the debate. Well, again, that's what we're going to talk all year about, you know, leading up to this presidential election. The different, um, you know, philosophies about how 
they're going to, you know, shore up all the entitlement programs. And they want to create a lot more entitlement programs. Right. That's an issue. How they're going to revive the middle class in this country, Mm -hmm. um, as well as pay for the baby boomers retirement, you know, you know, and I I don't know. It will, you know, it's, it's the clear, you know, distinction here. Is it going to be socialism or is it going to be, you know, what capitalism I get? I, I, it's going to be a very interesting, you know, I don't know if Bernie Sanders will wind up getting the democratic nomination, but, um, Right now, I guess you say he's leading, right, Carrie? Mm, I guess. I mean, we'll see what Super Tuesday brings. Um, and so, why don't you? So, we'll talk a little bit today because we did, um, you know, uh, on the Republican side, you know, we had President Trump. You know, he came out with his budget right, right. this week, uh, four point eight trillion. By the way, that's, I was going to say that's not with adding all the other free. I mean, you know, we're in debt right now. Let alone adding all. Bernie's free stuff. Well, I mean, four point eight trillion, <laughs> Carrie. I mean, that's that that's some bucks too, right? And and you know, and, and you know, with the deficit, annual deficits approaching you know, one trillion. I mean, that that's scary. Um, you know, Carrie, we, we've got the two percent economy right now, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what is stymieing a lot of economists, the Federal Reserve. I mean, can this country run? On a two percent economy, so what do we mean by that? Well, we got two percent GDP, right? right. We've got two percent inflation rate, and we've got thirty-year Treasuries at two percent. You know, and we seem to be stuck in this rut, right? right? And is that you know going into a presidential uh, campaign election? It's interesting to say are as Americans going to be satisfied with a two percent economy, and and can we thrive? On a two percent economy, is it the new economy? So why don't you? Get I'm started? not sure. But regardless, and I know you mentioned Trump's budget. Did you see uh, the headline on Friday? It was Trump 2.0 tax cuts. Well, we've been He's waiting for the 2.0 tax and cuts, and he wants it by September. He would like a 10 percent tax cut for the middle class and make some of these tax cuts um, permanent. The ones that are ending in 2025, I believe, right? Or the, going through 2025 tax cuts and Jobs Act, right? And making some of those permanent. Uh, I don't know if that'll be done. At least he's well. I mean, obviously, on it. I mean, obviously, nothing's going to be passed before September. I, I mean, you with know, the election, um, mm. you know, with the divided Congress right now, um, they won't get anything done. Um, what they should be doing is infrastructure because nobody's against it. And if you're not going to do infrastructure, you know, with with the low interest rates right now, I, tell me when are you going to do it? Um, well, I think there's just so much going on. Maybe. Well, you There's know, only so many things you can do at one time. Yeah. But so. regardless, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We are every, here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We are a financial educational radio talk program here to give you helpful information about issues that may impact your financial life or financial news that may be relevant or planning strategies and planning concepts. Um, that we hope you should be aware of so you get a better result and understand that there are more choices and it's about being proactive um, instead of letting things fall where they may because it usually defaults to the government's plan, which is usually not in your best interest. And we are sponsored by the estate planning team 
And the estate planning team is a fee-based, Ohio-registered fiduciary planning firm. Um, The company's been around the greater Cleveland area more than 35 years, helping people solve problems, save money, and use opportunities in this complicated tax code. And what we do is build custom financial plans and modeling and planning your assets, your income expenses, and taxing um, taxes and helping people know when they can afford to retire or whether they're working or in retirement what they can realistically spend without running out of money um, and helping people plan that and address those financial disruptors that can derail their plan, whether it's market volatility, a long-term care stay, a premature death of a spouse, and uh, much more. And we offer a free consultation for anyone who wants to come in and see how our process is different. I said we're traditional financial planner numbers crunchers. We are not investment advisors. Our clients often do their own investments or they already have an investment advisor in place. And we work in with coordinating with those investment advisors. And often cases, we go with the client to their meeting or have phone conferences throughout the year with their existing advisors. Also, sometimes we have people looking for that service. We certainly work with some great investment advisors around the area. And um, if somebody's looking for one, we can be happy to refer you to people that we've had good experience with. And we offer that free no obligation consultation. Our home office is in Middleburg Heights. We have offices around the greater Cleveland area. And we can also do free consultations by phone. You can call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. I also want to remind people we have our February and March classes scheduled. We have next Tuesday, February 18th at 3 o'clock. There's still space left for our IRA tax qualified asset and Roth planning class. If you're 59 and a half or older or 70 and a half or older or, or 72 and a half or, or older. We'll talk a lot about um, the new secure act. Or- right. I was going to say, we're going to talk about how it impacts owners of these assets, how it impacts stretch IRAs. We're going to talk about strategies you can use to reduce the long-term tax impact during your lifetime, these assets are also one of the most expensive assets to pass to your heirs, and there are things you can do about it. We're going to talk about rules, misconceptions, costly mistakes. We're going to spend time on Roth contributions versus conversion rules and techniques, uh, show you an example of how minimum required distribution often creates more tax dollars for the government and why it may not be in your best interest to default to that plan. There's a free handout included. We just ask that you pre-register. Again, our classes are planning strategies and concepts consultations about your numbers, but it's not too late to register. You can go online to financialfoodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com. Or give us a call at 440-239-2090. And the March class is March 11th. It's an evening class at six o'clock for retirees and people nearing retirement and talking about issues that impact your lifestyle. Details are on the website, and I will tell you more about it later in the show. All right, thanks. So you listen to Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And we do it one plan, one family at a time. And over those decades, we certainly have had a lot of classes where we talk about new tax law changes. And so that's kind of the general theme here, right? I mean, right now, you know, you'll hear a lot of the presidential candidates making campaign promises. And we don't get too excited about 
presidential candidates' campaign promises because, as we all know, the president by themselves can't really change permanent tax law or major tax law changes, right? You need the power of votes in the Congress. You need, you know, the 50 votes in the House, the supermajority 60 votes in the Senate, and the White House to get major, major stuff done. Um, so w- w- right now, we've that's neither party has that much power. So I don't put a lot of faith that, um, you know, Trump's what are they, what is he calling it? Tax 2.0. 2.0 yeah. Um, I doubt if that's good. I don't think that's going to be passed by September. Um, but, you know, but we do we did have the Secure Act, which did pass as part of the spending bill in late December. And there's a lot of confusion about that. We've been talking about that. You can always hear our podcast, but certainly all our classes that we'll be doing this year will be highlighting that. And if you haven't been to one of our classes before, we may, it may be a little bit different if you've been to other uh, professionals, tax, uh, you know, courses or classes or you know, seminars, what have you. In other words, for one thing, we you know we don't come into the room, turn off the lights, and turn on a PowerPoint. That's not what we do. This is a small group. You know, we try to keep the attendance small. So everyone who's attending has an opportunity if they want to ask a, a specific question. Um, also, we, t- we tend to believe that the smaller class group tends for a better discussion, you know, um, and, you know, we can kind of go in the direction of that class. That's why a lot of people who are return people come to our classes because they say, Mark, everyone's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have, we're running the two classes right now. The, the one more is, is talking about IRA and, and Roth IRA and, you know, there's enough information there and how the secure acts affects those is the other one is Carrie, you mentioned the, the, the more of a, um, a retirement, that's right. more of the, you know, talking about how you build in health care and retirement and, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the, the allocations and, 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 and the 4% rule we talk a lot about, the 50, 30, 20 rule we talk about, you know, more of the financial planning models that you may want to try to help you prepare for retirement. So there is some overlap in both classes, but not enough overlap that you, you can't attend both and you're not going to hear the same thing. Um, so you'll announce those later on as well. Um, again, the, the times. And so why are we you know, talking about what happens in politics during the week? Well, because it, it is going to it could affect you. Um, so, you know, some of the things that happened this week, um, you know, we, as we said, we, we got President Trump's budget. Mm-hmm. OK. And, you know, um, it's four point eight trillion. Um, that's a pretty big budget. Okay, um, slightly larger than last year's four point seven five. Now, this doesn't mean this is going to pass, Carrie. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you, you listen right. to this show over the years. We we know the the the, the president's budget is re- a ridiculous thing to even look at, but maybe you get some ideas of what's going on. But I think the thing that is is what was kind of you know brought out and what some of the talking heads thought about it was that they are backpedaling a little bit now on, you know, the 3% GDP. Remember when Trump ran in, you know, 2016, he was promising a 3% GDP. And remember, he achieved that in the first year. Right. Maybe in the first, you know, 18 months. But he is, it's now lagged behind that. 
So in this this time round, he's no longer talking about that. It's more below three, right? That's what I'm talking about, the 2% economy. How long are we going to be in this 2% economy? Is it permanent? Is this the new economy, Gary? Right? Is it different this time? Will we be able to successfully progress on a 2% economy? Well, that's what the big debate is. Um, so what are some other things? Um Okay, and, and and the other thing too, you know, part of that two percent economy is the two percent um, inflation or the very low interest rates, right, Kerry? So, um, you know, robust economic growth rates are not the only er- only area where the administration renewed optimism appears to be in its latest budget. It also has revised down its estimate of the interest the federal government would pay to borrow money over the next decade. So basically they're saying they're trying to say that because interest rates are going to remain low, that improves their outlook, right? Because the less interest that the government has to repay on the loans. Um, uh, yeah, when, you know, the budget that predicted the 3.1% growth for 2018 and 3.2% for 2019, both were off. Growth was about 2.5% in 2018 from the fourth quarter of the fourth quarter and about 2.3% in 2019. That's according to the Commerce Department. So um, we'll kind of see that. Now, what are some of the other things that you might have heard about Trump's budget, even though, again, this is not law. It's just that maybe what the GOP or what Trump is thinking of. Um, there were some things that, you know, calling for changes to Medicare, Carrie. Okay, mm-hmm. So does Medicare affect you? Um, well, certainly, if you're on Medicare right, or gonna say. plan to be on Medicare, you know, um, you know, at age 65. OK, um, so what they're talking about is perhaps a way that you can opt out of Medicare Part A. So Medicare Part A is, you know, that's the hospital coverage. Right, Carrie? That's probably the most expensive if you need it, by the way. Right. Um, <laughs> but there is no premium for that under the current law. Right. Which is the reality as cost goes up. OK. So currently, if you start taking Social Security before age 65, you are automatically uh, signed up for Part A when, when, um, you, when you hit the Medicare eligible age, you know, 65. Uh, and then, you know, waiting until after age 65 to tap Social Security results in automatic sign up as well. OK, um, now, while you can choose to opt out of Part B, you know, that's the outpatient care carry. That's the right. More, you know, the, okay. That's more typical. That's Your doctor's the, visits, right. labs, emergency room. There is a uh, premium for that. Right. Which so, currently is 144, 60, 60 right. a year okay. or a month. Oh, a month, a right? month, not and, a year. <laughs> um, progressively weighted, so the higher uh, income you have, that could go up. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, come to the class. We we talk a lot about that. Uh, or you could see we have those in our class booklet. That's you know that that with the tax tables and things. Okay, um, and you know, and and so the idea is you know, but but some people, if they're still working after age 65 and are covered by an employer plan, they don't necessarily have to sign up for Medicare at 65 because they're covered, right? Right. Um, or, if you're, or if you're covered under a spouse's plan, 
you, you know, you, and so there's no penalty for not signing up at 65, right? Right. Um, but a lot of times you still get that Medicare A, right? Um, but, you know, what people are complaining about is if you're also in a high deductible health insurance plan where you're planning on making health savings account contributions, right. you cannot make health savings contributions once you're on Medicare, even if it's only Medicare A, Okay. So it's uh, eliminating that opportunity for some people to reduce their adjusted gross income because of, for an automatic thing that they're not even paying for and probably don't even need. Right. Okay. So that's one of the you know changes that Trump wants to make. Well, that seems like a reasonable change. Okay. Um, okay. Um, and it also goes beyond that. So the health savings account, you know, that's usually, you know, when before age 65, before Medicare, right? If you're in a high deductible plan, the equivalent, once you're on Medicare, we call a medical savings account, an MSA. Right. right. Um, and right now, um, that's typically if you are in a t- some type of a, like a Medicare Advantage plan. Right. And mm-hmm. and, you know, um, and the, the plan may be giving you a certain amount that you can spend for out-of-pocket medical costs, right? Like I say, a medical savings. In other words, right now, you can't contribute to the MSA. Right. You know, the the, the employer or the plan has to do that. Um, Like, you know, right now, either could contribute to an HSA. The employer can contribute to your HSA. You can contribute to your own HSA, right? But right now, you cannot contribute to your MSA, all right? But they want to change that. They want to say that um, that they you know that you would um, be able to contribute, um, and then use that for later uh, medical expenses, you know, in a tax efficient manner. Um, so those are a couple of things. Now, again, I don't know if that will get passed, but that was uh, you know some of the things. But not everybody's really happy with you know President Trump's four point eight trillion dollar budget, right? Mm-hmm. Um, since is you know you, you were mean kinda- people aren't happy with Trump. <laughs> you know, you know, because, you know, since because you had mentioned we we have a little deficit problem going right. on right now. OK. Um, and, you know, and, uh, you know, could we you know, can we sustain a trillion dollar annual deficits? Um, now, we thought that was going to happen. Um, in twenty nineteen. Right. The budget 2019 ended September 30th, but it didn't quite remember. It carried wasn't a trillion. It came in at nine hundred eighty four point four billion. Oh, it was under. It's not a trillion. That's right. Okay. Um, I can't even get my head honestly around a trillion. But they're thinking that, um, you know, 2020, uh, you know, we're on pace to hit it. Okay. Um, Okay. let's see. You know, uh, yeah, new uh, new budget blueprint on Monday that projects the deficit will top $1 trillion this year, but then will decline over the next decade. The Congressional Budget Office, however, is projecting that the deficit will top $1 trillion this year and remain above $1 trillion over the next decade. So, you know, Trump is kind of saying, yeah, we may hit a trillion this year, but then we'll go down. And the Congressional Budget Office is saying, I don't know if we're going to go down. Uh, but the one thing, you know, um, so through the uh, through the first four months of this budget year, government spending has totaled a record one point five seven trillion, up ten point three percent for the same period last year. But Carrie, 
Revenues have also set a record for the first four months of the budget year, increasing by 6.1% to $1.18 trillion. So this is the, the idea. You know, are we seeing that, um, you know, Trump's tax cut, is that, you know, bringing in the revenues um, that will help, you know, reverse these, you know, what's approaching a trillion-dollar annual deficit? Um, Fed Chief Chair, uh, you know, Chairman Jerome Powell wasn't too happy with the government spending, Gary. Right, so um, he he spoke um, this week, and one of the things, you know, well, the understatement, you know, he was, uh, you, you know, the potential. He, he talked about the potential threat of the coronavirus. Well, <laughs> thanks, Jerry. Right. Thanks. That's for, news. Yeah, the, the, uh, going on a limb there. Um, I mean, what could he say, though, really? I mean, he can't really put everyone in a panic. No, and he, I think there's really too much. can't say there's no threat. No, I think they don't know yet. They're trying to still get information together. Um, you know, so, but, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, but, but he kind of warned Congress about this spending, okay, um, and, you know, because, again, interest rates are already low. Now, he also confirmed that they're not doing anything with interest rates right now. Again, no surprise in election year. Um, and apparently, you know, everything's running fine right now. You know, retail uh, sales came out fine, you know, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, up slightly from, you know, you know, but, you know, so Americans are still spending. We have the low unemployment. Everybody knows that. Um, so, you know, so far so good, you know, the earnings were getting out of the earnings season and that turned out pretty well. I mean, there, some of the companies started warning that they think that maybe the, you know, the, the revenues are going to slightly decline. Um, but, um, you know, as we kind of went over though, sometimes they always beat those EPS forecasts, right? Um, but you know, so what did Paul say? Um, well, you know, here's his quote, Carrie. Um, putting the federal budget on a sustainable path when the economy is strong would help ensure that policymakers have the space to use fiscal policy to assist in stabilizing the economy over a downturn. You know, so that's Fed speak, right? Right. um, You know, he's basically saying is that. You got when things are good, you got to work on things. So, you know, when they're when they turns around, you're you you have moves to make. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just be spending and spending and spending, because if we do have an economic downturn, then what are you going to do? If you know, you got to keep some powder dry or you got to get some stimulus going, you got to get something going. In other words, the Fed's saying, hey, the, the, the monetary policy can't do it all. You still need the government working on these issues while the times are good to prevent, you know, panic when times get bad. All right. And so, you know, now you could say, well, Mark, how does this affect me? Um, well, the idea is heed the, the warnings of the experts. Um, in other words, you know, you can't control the, if, if the virus you know, breaks out in China. No, um, you can't control the stock market. You can't control the trade wars. Um, you can't control who's running our country. You've got one vote. Make it count. But beyond that, you know, these are things beyond your control. But what can you do? 
How can you protect your family from the next economic downturn? You know, are you putting any steps together to protect it? Now, hopefully it's not around the corner. Right. But a lot of times, one, people don't have a plan. They don't know where they're headed more than, a you know, long term. Or they don't have a plan if those things happen and how do they adjust. And that's what we do at the estate planning. I mean, there were times that we've modeled in those corrections. Right. So, so, and that's and that's kind of the point. So, while times are good, what are things you could be doing to prepare yourself and your family from the next economic downturn? Unless you happen to be in the camp that thinks we'll never have a recession again. You know, it's going on eleven years, Carrie. Right, but do you also want to plan for the worst and hope for the best, okay. and say if that happens? So, what can you do at home, or what can you do? You know, it's in your control. Well, here here are three simple things, right? Okay. Um, Okay, um, that how do you help protect or how do you control, how do you protect from the next economic downturn? Okay, the first, um, rebalance your portfolio if you're not doing that. Now, mm-hmm. if you're using professionals, um, they probably are doing that. If you don't know if they're doing that, ask them. Okay, um, but what do I mean by rebalancing your portfolio? So let's say, Carrie, that you you designed your investments to follow a 60-40 allocation, right? A very popular allocation for people going into retirement, right? 60% growth, you know, 40% fixed. Maybe a little more conservative, 50-50, okay? I, Carrie, would you say most of our clients, that's kind of where they're right. starting at? Um, now, we have some that are very aggressive, you know, that and are... And some are very risk-adverse. Yeah, but, I mean, the general, you know, probably 50-50 to 60-40 is where most of our clients coming to see us fall, okay? Um, now, but the issue is, when you're coming off a, a, a year where the S&P 500 did close to 30%, you may be out of whack, because your 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 growth or your equity side is much higher might have gotten a lot higher in the good times and now you're no longer 60/40 maybe you're 70/30 or if you're trying to be 50/50 now maybe you're 65/30 you know so the idea is are you rebalancing you know are you locking in those gains now that's not a taxable event if you're doing that inside an IRA, right? It is a taxable event if you're doing it in a taxable council. Sometimes you got to watch that, right? And 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 plan that. Um, now um, and so then you get back. Uh, so so you know so what you're doing is you're coming back. So you're not taking on more risk than what you need to be okay. And a lot of times people don't even know what growth rate or what allocation they need, which is what we do in our planning process for the long term. Then we coordinate with their advisor if they're doing that themselves, what really their allocation should be. Right. That's a good point. In other words, if you're telling me, Mark, I don't know what rate of return I need to be okay, then I'm going to make an assumption that you don't have a detailed financial plan. Because that's one of the first goals of a detailed financial right. plan is to is to know what rate of return do you need to make your plan work. Because if you're running plan A and it comes back and says, well, uh, you, you know, the robot says I need an 8% return in order to retire at age boom and, and live to age And that's each and every year? Hmm. Mm, maybe, I don't know, you're going to have a lot of sleepless nights. Now, if your plan needs a 4% ongoing... Maybe mm. you're, and not only do you know it's lasting, you're going to be more comfortable spending. We have people that don't spend, but if you look, use very conservative, realistic numbers, you're more likely to spend. Maybe you didn't before 
when you know that even based on a very conservative growth rate, you're still going to be okay. Or maybe you can retire a year earlier than you had planned. Mm-hmm. You know, um, now, um, and if you're saying, well, I don't know what, so one thing is what the robot's saying you need to be okay from rate of return. The other one is what, based on how you're allocated, what rate of return is appropriate. Well, if you don't know that, then you've got to ask your investment advisor and say, hey, throw me a bone here. Based on how you have my account allocated today, what do you think is a good long-term rate of return I should be using to build my financial model? And see what they say. Okay, that's a good place to start. Right. Um, if you're doing it yourself, then you, you've got to get to the point where you know how to calculate what historically your rate of return is. Now, if you're in those company plans, the 401ks, the 457s, you know, a lot of times they will show that to you. You know, they'll, they'll show you all the options and they'll show you the history of the returns. Right. So that's a big, you know, it's an easy way to, you know, do it. Right. If you don't know, you know, that's what we help our clients with. If you don't know what questions you ought to be asked, you know, that you should be asking your investment advisors, we do. Okay. Um, now, um, so the idea is you're, you're, you're not, if your plan works, let's say based on a five, 6% rate of return, and you're saying, and your investment advisor is saying, okay, um, Mr. Client, I can get that with about a, you know, a 50, 50 or 60, 40 portfolio. Okay. Then I don't want to be 70, 30 because now I don't need that much risk to be okay. So that's what the rebalancing is. Now, it's not the same thing as timing the market, Gary. It's not timing the market. Timing the market is more when you're, you know, you're, you're going to the sidelines in cash because you think that the shoe's going to fall tomorrow. Um, and maybe you're lucky and, and get out in time. But the problem is very few people are lucky on both sides, the day to get out and the day to get back in. You know, again, it's, it's that old adage. It's, it's not um, timing the market. It's time in the market. Right. So as opposed to as opposed to trying to time the market, it's just saying, no, just keep rebalancing and don't take on more risk than what your plan needs to be. OK. All right. Um, OK. The second thing, um, build an adequate cash reserve. OK, because this will protect you in an economic downturn. All right. Um, now, what do we mean by that? You know, some people call it an emergency fund. You know, I, I call it a cash reserve. Um but it's the idea of, you know, how much, you know, do you have sitting around in an after-tax cash account? Could be a savings, could be money market, uh, could, you know, I mean, maybe you could throw a six-month CD or a 12-month CD or a laddered CD to kind of, you know, throw into that. Um, and the idea is that that's available and that should, and, and you try to have that amount at a level that kind of covers what uh, your spending gap is going to be in the next year or year and a half, or some clients carry want to go out two years. Now, the emergency fund concept may be a little different if you're still working versus when you're retired. So typically, when you're still working, um, it, you may hear the old you know rule of thumb, oh, you want six months or eight months take-home pay. Okay, that that's you know that's tough to do, but maybe that's it. But it's a little bit different in retirement. And so when you're in retirement, what's your spending gap? When we talk about a spending gap in retirement, that's basically what your total expenses you plan on being for the year. Again, your detailed financial model will tell you that, right? Um, versus 
what your fixed retirement income is, meaning pensions and or Social Security. And then the gap or the difference is what we call your spending gap. So if the if your fixed retirement income isn't enough to cover your planned expenses, then that gap is what you have to go get from your nest egg. But the problem is if you have to go get it from your nest egg, being let's say you've got to sell your equities, whether they be in your IRA or your taxable accounts, but the market's down, you don't want to do that. Because you always heard that, well, I, you know, don't sell low. You're supposed to sell high, right? So the idea is, um, you know, but if, if you have built up the cash reserve, okay, then you have choices. Because then you're saying, I've got, like, I know what I'm supposed, my plan is, is projecting what I think I'm going to need to take out of my cash reserve or my nest egg to cover my spending gap for the next year or, you know, 18 months or however long you want to do it. So as long as I know I have that in cash, I know that it when if if I need to take if I need to spend that money and the market is crashing, I don't have to sell my stocks low because I can rely on my cash position. That'll give me time for my stocks to get through the downturn and then recover and then back to normal. In the meantime, Carrie, and I'm still collecting the dividends that I give up if I'm panicking and selling mm-hmm. low and going or going to cash. So that's one of the, you know, so it's the idea of saying, you know, it's rebalancing. Don't take on more risk. That's number one, two, build up a cat, an adequate cash reserve. And by the way, if you, if you're at, if your cash reserve isn't at a level, you know, that it needs to be right now, this is the time to start working on it right before this next recession hits. All right. So hopefully we have lots of time to do that, but let's get started. Right. The third thing is, Go ahead and build into your plan an economic downturn just to show you, to give you the peace of mind that you can withstand it. And and what do we mean by that? Well, so, you know, when you build a financial model, let's call it plan A, and we assume plan A is working, right? By the way, if plan A is not working, you're not done with plan A yet. So let's assume, you know, plan A is working, meaning based on your, you know, your most uh, realistic and sort of assumptions, you know, based on when you plan to retire, what your retirement income is going to be, you know, the rate of return, how much you could be pulling out of your nest egg, you know, and the, and the, and you're not running out of money before life uh, to the longevity that you want in your plan. Don't ask your neighbor how long they're planning. You got to do this for yourself. Okay. Um, is that age 85, 90? Do I hear 95? Do I hear a hundred? You know, um, what's your peace of mind? But so let's say plan A is working, but now just for fun, we may build, sometimes we call it a plan R, Carrie, right? And a plan R saying, would my plan A still be working if we go through an economic downturn in the next few years, right? Especially if you have a life-changing event that's supposedly happening in the next few years, such as retirement, maybe buying a new home, Maybe paying for college uh, education. Um, maybe, you know, paying for a daughter's wedding, Gary. I don't know. You know, if you have a major economic event that could correspond with the next economic downturn in a certain time frame, you know, you may want to say, hey, can I still do this? Because in a weird way, Gary, the next economic downturn uh, um, doesn't necessarily affect your life that year. It just, in a weird way, affects the longevity of your financial plan, right? In other words, you're going to run out of money quicker as opposed to plan A if you never assume uh, that we'll ever have a recession again. 
So that's the idea. So you want to build that plan R. Now, how do you do that? Well, let's go back to my 60-40 allocation. So, you know, typically, and when I'm talking about an economic downturn, I'm not talking about a correction. A stock market correction can happen anytime and quickly recover. I'm, and I'm not talking about volatility. You know, Carrie, just look recently. How many ups and down days have we had in the stock market in the last two weeks? And it was all blamed on the coronavirus. Either we felt better about the coronavirus or we felt worse about the coronavirus. Which and, really, in reality, shouldn't affect and the we, market. And, we ju- and you just could track it. <laughs> the market going up and down, and it was all blamed one way or the other on the coronavirus, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about um, the next U.S. recession or a bear market crash. Typically, 20 to 25% decline in the stock markets. But you're not, you're not necessarily down 25% because you're not 100% stocks, right? Um, so now let's say you think there's going to be a 20% crash. Okay, well, if you're 60-40, then your 60 will be down 12%. So you may tell the robot, hey, assume a 12% loss in year blank, and then then maybe the next year zero because they're in the recovery, then maybe the next year about half of what I'm normally getting, and then the following year I'm back to normal. So you book the decline in the recovery. Now they say it's going to be a little deeper. What if you think there's going to be a you know a 25% decline? Okay, well, you're 60% in, in equities. You maybe want to book a 15% loss. Okay, you know, that type of thing. Um so the idea is that's one way of doing it, um, and then you kind of go from there, and then and so you know so now you're modeling in that next economic downturn, and it's also showing you that yeah, but I have my cash reserve, so even if it happens, I'm not going to have to panic because I've got enough cash to go to Hawaii that year I'm planning, or to buy the new house and make the down payment. Maybe it's buying a new car, whatever it is. And and if and now if the if it if the economic downturn isn't happening, now I have my choice. I could use my cash reserve, or I could use my stocks. Or if the market's still going gangbusters, I may have to rebalance anyways. And if by rebalancing, if I, I may want to use that cash, you know. And, and we talked a little bit about this on our last week's show about building cash mm-hmm. flows. So, Carrie, you know how you know if you want to go back and listen to that show, we got a little bit more involved with that, and that's how right. You, get and the you can podcast. go to um, Financial Food for Thought, and there's a link to our podcast there. Also, remember these are the things that we've been doing for a very long time and helping people. We are a fee-based fiduciary planner. And that's what we do is build these financial models to give people clarity and save them money. And so people know exactly what they should be doing while they're working and in their retirement years and and, and passage to their heirs. And we offer the free consultation. Um, our fees, like our plans, are customized. Um, we have hourly planning and retainer options, depending on your needs, if you need a little bit of help and a lot of help. Remember, our home office is in Middlebrook Heights, and we have offices around the greater Cleveland area, but we do offer a free consultation by phone as well. Um, And make sure if you haven't, you're interested in the IRA, Roth, and Tax Qualified Asset Planning class. It's next Tuesday, February 18th at 3 p.m. There's still um, spots available, and we'll talk about steps and strategies to minimize the tax impact of these assets. Roth contributions, conversion rules, how the SECURE Act impacts minimum required distribution, stretch IRAs. Um, We'll show you examples of minimum required distribution and much more. And that's Tuesday, February 18th at 3 o'clock. March 11th is the retirement class for retirees and people nearing retirement. 
if you're concerned about when you can afford to retire or if you're in retirement, what you can afford to spend without running out of money, market volatility, rising health care costs, inflation, taxes, other financial challenges people face, timing of Social Security, long-term care, and much more, um, you can go to financialfoodforthought.com or give us a call at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit again, financialfoodforthought.com. All right, Carrie, I heard you say the magic word, Social Security. Mm-hmm. Um, big issue, right? Um, you know, came came Trump's, uh, Trump's words, right? He he raised some eyebrows with Social Security. Uh, talking about Social Security, it was in Davos. Remember, okay, yeah. Trump was in Davos, right? And, and it, well, he was being interviewed. And one of the questions they asked forty five was, you know, um, will entitlements ever be on your plate? Okay, because again, now when we talk about the entitlement programs, we're generally talking about Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security, right? Um, and you know the. the so you know he he talked about um, you know you know and, and well Trump's response was at some point they will be, and that's what raised a lot of eyebrows because you know now he wasn't specific on which entitlement program that that may be, but just the idea that he said that um, you know people said well does that mean he's going to cut Social Security benefits? Or does that mean he's going to cut Medicare or, or you know, cut Medicaid? Um, and I don't know, but you know, because prior to that, it was back in um, boy, it was on twenty thirteen. Remember, he was addressing CPAC, Kerry, right? The, mm-hmm. the political action conference, the conservative political action conference, and in twenty thirteen, and this was his quote: "As Republicans, if you think you are going to change very substantially for the worse." Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security in any substantial way, and at the same time you think you're going to win elections, it just really is not going to happen. What we have to do and the way we have to solve our problems is to build a great economy. You know, so so that's kind of, you know, what he's always, now people thought this was somewhat of a reversal, where he's saying, well, now, you know, maybe entitlement are will have to be on the agenda. Um, you know, but... Let's talk about Social Security, right? Um, you know, and see, I've always said, Carrie, that I don't think the way they're going to shore up Social Security is by cutting benefits of the people, you know, the 64 million people, Social Security recipients right now, you know, benefits, right? Mm-hmm. Because one thing retirees do, they vote. And I agree with Trump. It's political suicide if you vote in Congress to cut Social Security benefits and then go back and face your constituents. Mm-hmm. All right. Chances are you won't be in that seat the next election. All right. Um, so, you know, it's, I think it's a less painless poison pill to for the Congress people and the senators to say we're going to raise the taxes. <laughs> You know, that's not right. what we're going to solve. At some point, I would think they would raise the age. Well, so, well, okay. So here's the thing. So we have so both Republicans and Democrats, um, I think, agree that the way they're going to eventually solve the Social Security uh, issue is by raising taxes. Right. Okay. But how they're going to go about it, I think, is divergence. Okay. Um, so, for example, um, 
the Democrats, okay, the way they want to go about it is to actually raise the tax rate. In other words, From right the now, 6.2%. well, it's 12.4, right? right. But your but employer plays pay half, half. And, and you pay the other half. Um, if you're self-employed, you pay it all, but you get to deduct half right. so, on Schedule C. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, but the idea is, yeah, raise that. Okay. Um, the other one would be or to raise the cap, right? Right. Okay, because right now there's only a certain amount of your taxable earnings is subject to the Social Security payroll tax. Mm-hmm. So for 2019, for example, uh, that number is 132900 For 2020, that number was raised to 137700 So they are raising it with inflation. Which is yeah, it's based on a wage base, right? Incre- you know, so they are increasing that every right. year. They may increase it quite a bit, right? So the Democrats want to just blow that cap out of the water and say, well, maybe we shouldn't have a cap, or maybe we should have a donut hole cap, meaning that you know, it, it will keep the current cap, you know, that's going up by a, a inflation factor. But then, if let's say your income is any income that you earn that's over, let's say two hundred fifty thousand. You get another, there's no cap. Okay, then you'll get so. So if you're making two hundred thousand from one hundred and thirty three thousand, you said what is it this year? It's one hundred thirty seven seven thirty seven seven hundred. Then the you're, difference between that and two hundred, I don't pay anything. But if I make two fifty, then that other fifty thousand, I'm going to get paid or anything get, over that limit. Right. So so, so anything like if you're making five hundred thousand, you're two hundred fifty thousand over the cap. Right. So and that, I'm going to get that additional two hundred fifty thousand is taxed to Social Security. So there's ways they. I think Social Security is a much easier fix than health care. Right. Um, now, um, now, and the reason why they're they're concentrating the payroll tax carry is because that's who's doing the heavy lifting. There's really three sources that are funding the Social Security system. Okay. Um, one is the, you know the interest that's earned on the asset reserves. Okay. Um, the other one is the taxation of benefits. You know, you know your Social Security can be taxed, right? But the third one is the payroll tax. So of the, you know, for 2018, I think there was a trillion dollars collected by the, you know, Social Security trustees. 885 million of it, carry was from the payroll tax. Okay. Okay. So now, so the Democrats say, okay, let's raise the taxes or let's raise the cap, right? The Republicans are coming from a different angle. Their idea is how do you raise the tax revenues is not necessarily by raising the tax rates. It's by having more people working. Okay. Because if there's more people working, there's more people earning money, (laughs) there's more Social Security taxes being collected. So that's what Trump is talking about when he says, you know, having a booming economy, a low unemployment rate, a rising, you know, wage base, that will solve all our issues. That will cover that, that the additional payroll taxes that we're collecting on, on on all those additional workers earning money is what's going to raise the revenues. So we don't necessarily have to raise the tax rates. We just need to get people working. Okay. Um, the other thing that the Democrats probably would. I'm sorry, the Republicans, another, thing, another way the Republicans probably would like to do is raise the full retirement age. Right. Which okay. I think the wasn't originally Social Security life expectancy. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so right now, the oldest, um, I mean, the, the youngest, you know, right, or the oldest full retirement age is 67. Right. But they, they're, that's it. I mean, eventually right. you would think at some point people being born now, they'd bump it up to 68 right. or, or 69, I think 70. They're, I think they're just going to go right to 70, Carrie, if they do it. Right. Um, you know, 70 is the new 60. Um, so the idea is, and, and so what that do? Well, certainly that gives more time for the coffers to earn that interest, you know, right. which is part of the growth. But the other thing, too, is that's going to keep people working because a lot of people work until their full retirement age. Right. So, And a lot of people are working past 65 these days, Carrie, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the idea is saying the people are going to be working longer, therefore paying more payroll taxes in um, to get, you know, so, yeah, so that's so, but that's not raising the tax rates. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you just raise the full retirement age, all right. So, um, so we'll be talking, um, you know. So, we'll, we'll talking, we'll be we'll be keeping our ears open um, to see, you know, which direction that you know the, the government goes in, and that's kind of what you know we're, we're you know talking about is how do you you know make this how do you build this into your plan so we'll stay on social security for um all right regardless of that you know you can give us a call and schedule a free consultation or make sure you sign up for our free classes coming up at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com all right so we've got you know a couple minutes left so don't get too excited about the presidential candidates' campaign promises. Um, you know, we've got. Do you remember <laughs> the revolution? Right? It's Bernie Sanders. Remember he was calling for a revolution. Remember this, Carol? I don't know if I can get this playing. He's crazy. Come in third and Do you remember this? We would have given anything for that. And you know something? You know something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Larkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. <laughs> the great Howard California D. and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! <laughs> oh wow, he's enthusiastic. Oh, you don't remember that? No, I don't. Oh, that was what that was when Howard Dean. That was when he. Well, he's you know, enthusiastic. Did well in two thousand four, and he and, it, and his campaign ended after he did that. It was oh, he was awfully enthusiastic. Yeah. So don't look now, Kerry, but the uh, Ohio primary is coming up on St. Patty's Day. Oh goodness! You know, are you ready for that? Are you going to follow the Hugh Hewitt method and vote for Bernie in the spring and Trump no. in the fall? It's an open primary talk to you soon. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.